Welcome to Orla's Happy Hormones Podcast. I'm Orla, your resident tree-hugging, lemon-sucking, garlic-crushing hippie. Talking all things female health and wellness. I hope you enjoy. Hey, and welcome to episode 66 of Orla's Happy Hormones Podcast. And it took everything in my willpower right now not to say 66 is an exhaustion instead of episode 66 of Orla's Happy Hormones Podcast. The reason being is because that's a phrase in the Little Miss Greedy book and it's my niece's favourite book. And anytime the number 66 is uttered anywhere, it's 66 sizzling sausages. It's a mouthful it's, and it's, it's a tongue twister. But it's constantly in my head around the, the number 66. <laughs> Not that that has any relevance to this podcast. But this week I have I had recorded a different episode for this week but then over on my Instagram I'm doing live uh, Instagram live IGs IGTVs whatever they're called and this week's one didn't upload and it was based around the topic of of fertility so because I couldn't get it to upload and the video got deleted I said I would just re-record it, basically, um, but as a podcast, because it is something that I've been meaning to do for a while now, is to do a part two on fertility. <clears throat> I remember, I think, the first fertility one I did, I think it was episode two or three. It was one of the very first ones that I did, and that's a good year and a half ago. So I said I'd do an updated version for you. So this week I'm talking about fertility and I'm just going to give the five steps for improving fertility naturally. Now this is more of a generalised look, yeah, more of a generalised look at fertility because when it comes to fertility issues, it's very specific to the couple. It's very specific to the woman, it's very specific to the man without actually having a one one to one consultation with anyone i can't tell you to do this 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 and this because everybody's body is different and everybody's body is going to react to different things so for this episode i'm just kind of going to go in the general view of the main areas that you should be looking at just to improve your fertility now this is more so if you've been trying within the last year if you've gone over the year mark then I would be suggesting that you go for further investigations. The doctors won't send you on for a referral to any fertility specialist until you've been trying for a year. So these are just steps that you can take yourself and just put things in place that may help you along your fertility journey or your conception journey, should I say. So the first point when it comes to improving your your chances of conception, it may sound simple, but it's a, sometimes you really just have to keep things, keep things simple. It's like that that kiss method, keep it simple, stupid. No, I hate that word stupid, so I don't usually say that, but tracking your cycle, it's 
so important when it comes to not just conception but when it comes to our entire menstrual cycles the star of the show is ovulation so we need to know when we're ovulating so we know when we can conceive now the general rule of thumb in mainstream knowledge is that we have a 28 day cycle and you ovulate on day 14 as women we know that this just isn't true every woman's cycle is completely different you may have a 25 day cycle 28 day cycle 30 day 32 33 it's all very person dependent what i will say to you is that if you're having cycles that are shorter or that are 21 days and shorter or as 35 days or longer you are actually having more than likely an ovulatory cycles meaning that you're not actually ovulating if this is the case for anybody listening, I would actually recommend that you go to your GP and get a, a hormonal blood panel done just to see exactly what's going on. Check out your FSH levels, your LH levels, your estrogen and progesterone and AMH. These are all really important to know what the levels are, are like. So that's for people who are having 21 and less day cycles or 35 and over day cycles if you're not having them and you you are having a normal cycle for yourself what i always recommend women do for the first six months of trying is to get or for the first six months of trying or as for the first six months after coming off the pill or any hormonal contraception is to get ovulation sticks it can be a bit expensive in the beginning but it it's worth it because you're getting to know your body on a basic level then keep a journal track your days track the changes in your body on every day from days six seven of your cycle up to around day 20 of your cycle depending on if you have a short or a long cycle but i would start using the sticks that early day six seven right up until you have ovulated track the changes in your body track the mucus secretions when you the when you're in your follicular phase it's going to start off as a little bit tacky and white in color but it is going to over the days become quite wet quite loose it's like raw egg whites and you will see that stringy stretch in it that cervical mucus is the optimum mucus for conception that's going to carry the sperm through the reproductive tract then tracking your temperature now get a basal thermometer and you track your temperature every morning in a resting state so before you even get up out of the bed your temperature will rise by about 0.2 or 0.3 of a degree so before ovulation the average woman's temperature or the average women's temperatures can range from is 36.1 to 36.4 degrees that's celsius and then after ovulation 
it'll be around 36.4 to 37 degrees Celsius. And it'll stay like that for a few days after. What you will find is that your temperature may dip slightly right before the egg is going to be released. So that's a key sign for you that the egg is coming. Now is really the time to get on it. And that is because an egg is only viable for up to 24 hours after it's been released. That's why your most fertile times are actually the five days before ovulation and that's why knowing exactly when you're ovulating is so important is so that you can time when yourself and your partner are having sex. My recommendation is usually from days five to seven of your cycle starting around then again depending on when you're ovulating and then going every second day until 48 hours after ovulation. This is giving you the best chance really for a conception as you're giving the sperm a break or not the sperm, you're giving the the man a break and he's able to regenerate better quality sperm once he has that break in between. But knowing when you ovulate yourself is it's crucial because it's not going to be smack bang day 14. Like I always say, every woman's body is different. So like even for me, I don't actually ovulate smack bang in the middle of my cycle. I have a typical 28 to 30 day cycle. It can vary in and around there. It it has over the last few months just because of COVID, but before that it has been consistently 28 to 30 day cycles. But then I ovulate quite early for that. So I would ovulate anywhere from days nine to 12, sometimes day 13. It would be rare for me to ovulate that late. Going by my own cycle now, I ovulated yesterday and I was on day 11. So it's not going to be exactly as the books say it's going to be. It's going to be how your body wants it to be. And the more you know your body, the more you know or the more awareness you have around your your fertile days. So getting to know your body is so crucial. Get your little journal, get your ovulation sticks, track everything and you'll give yourself the best chance. That brings me on to my second point, ovulatory health. Because like I said, ovulation is the star of the show. It's when that egg is released, sperm comes and fertilizes it. Without an egg, there is no conception. So making sure that your body's hormone levels are actually quite stable and that your body's functioning the, the way it should be functioning. If you feel if you feel you're not ovulating, go get the sticks and track. If you are tracking and you're not ovulating, go to your doctor, get blood works done. You need to know exactly what's going on. But then there are things that you can do to promote optimal ovulation and optimum egg health and again this all goes back to diet 
we get all our vitamins and minerals from our foods. Well, we're meant to get all our vitamins and minerals from our foods. And it's our vitamins and minerals that fuel us, that that it creates our cells. So looking at certain foods that are really important for obligatory health or certain factors. A lot of women are quite deficient in zinc and especially for anyone who has had the copper coil in the past because copper inhibits the uptake of zinc so if there is obligatory problems I would be looking at supplementing in with zinc there have been numerous studies done on supplementing with zinc 30 milligrams 30 to 50 milligrams per day I would start off with the 30 always start with the lower dose and then work build work your way up or build it up so supplementing with zinc, supplementing with vitamin D, because here in Ireland we don't get enough vitamin D. We, The Earth's axis is too far away from the sun, so we only actually absorb vitamin D from the sun between the months of April and October. Anything after that, and it's not possible. So supplementing with a good vitamin D3 plus K2, the spray ones are much better, and as they go in sublingually, sublingually. <laughs> I'm really tongue-tied today, apologies. And then as well, DHEA. So DHEA is a hormone that's produced in the, in the adrenal glands and it's a precursor for your FSH, your follicle stimulating hormone. Now, it's not available from foods. No, there are... S- there are some foods which can help to create it, the likes of wild yams and soy, and some of the supplements of DHEA out there are derived from the likes of wild yams and soy. thing is, I'm not a huge fan of supplementing with things if you can't get it from a food source. But, I have a but... The studies that have been done on DHEA for improving the egg reserves and ovulatory function are quite big. Now, the only thing is that if you're going down the route of IVF, if you're on that journey, don't take anything that I'm saying here. Don't go out to your health food store and buy up a load of supplements. Go and speak to your consultant because the plan that they have you on could be impaired by just randomly taking supplements that you hear about online or that you read about online. Your your consultant has a plan for you and you do need to stick with that plan. But because of its positive effects on auditory function and because DHEA is produced in the adrenal glands, it is one supplement that I would look at when it comes to ovulatory function. When we look at the world that we're in now, for like the last 20 years, stress levels have gone through the roof. And because DHEA is produced in the adrenal glands, where or what else is produced in the adrenal glands? Your stress hormones, your cortisol, your adrenaline, your noradrenaline. The amount of women who have adrenal insufficiency is huge. So having to look at nourishing your adrenal glands would be really important too. Now, that's a 
different podcast. I actually did a podcast on chronic fatigue before, which is linked to adrenal insufficiency. But if you are someone who is chronically stressed and has gone into burnout, I would be looking at the likes of your DHEA levels in your body. Again, what you can do is you can actually go and get your cortisol levels checked with your GP or you can even, there's loads of companies online now where you can get different panels done up. You just do your own home testing kits. And with them, it's it's good because you're you're getting the information straight back to you. But if your cortisol levels are chronically raised, then there is a likelihood that your DHEA levels are low. So looking at something like that. So that brings me on to my next topic of stress and worry. Stress is one of the biggest causes of infertility. And I see it so much in clinic. There have been so many women who stopped trying and then got pregnant. And it's all easier said than done. Emotionally, I know that. But when it comes to stress, and I'm always harping on about the HPA axis and the HPG HPG axis. When the HPA axis is in overdrive, your stress hormones are in overdrive, your cortisol, adrenaline, everything is surging through the system. It's having a knock-on effect on your HPG axis. So on the likes of your estrogen, your follicle-stimulating hormone, your luteinizing hormone. If your follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone don't get released because your stress your stress hormones are knocking that are knocking them out, you're not going to create progesterone because we only create progesterone once we've ovulated. You need to lower the stress levels. You need to look at your lifestyle. You need to look at your world around you right now. There's so much stress when it comes to having a baby in the first place or when it comes to trying to have a baby when it's not happening straight away and that stress becomes more and more and then especially if you're going through the two-week wait every month that two-week wait is torture I think I'm going to have to do an episode on the two-week wait alone because it it it's something that's not talked about enough but look at your lifestyle look at work life look at home life look at friendships relationships all different types of relationships, your fam- family relationships, your friendships, your romantic, your partner. Is there stress there between ye? Is there money worries? Are you burning the candle at both ends? Are you working nine to five or whatever hours you work? Are you training excessively? Are you partying? No, not party party, but like are you drinking a lot either during the week or at weekends all these things have a huge role to play 
Now, I'm not saying to give up exercise because exercise is actually really important. But it depends on what kind of exercise are you doing. Are you doing HIIT, that high intensity? Are you doing powerlifting, that extreme strength training? Are you doing endurance events? Now, if you're someone who goes to the gym a few times a week and just does your normal routines, that's fine. I'm talking about extreme exercise. If you're someone who does HIIT every day, I would reduce it down to four times a week because it's causing too much of a cortisol surge on the system. And this is only if you're having problems with the likes of ovulation and conception. Look at incorporating in more gentle methods of exercise. So list that low intense steady state cardio. Long walks, hikes, cycling, loads of different things. Then incorporating in the likes of restorative exercises, things like yoga, pilates, swimming. All these things are going to help drop your cortisol levels. Getting out into nature, sticking your feet in the ground, getting into the ocean, all of that is going to help lower your stress levels. Meditation is great if you can do it. I personally can't. I can do a bit of yoga. That's my movement meditation. To be honest, me, my weightlifting is meditation. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to conceive right now. So I'm allowed to do it. Looking at the areas in your life where you are stressed and where, you're, where you are anxious, is there anything that you can do? Can you change things in those areas? Uh, is your job causing you stress? What are the areas in that job that you can change to make life easier on yourself? Is a strained relationship with your partner making you stressed? Is a strained relationship with a family member making you stressed? Can you go and sit down and have a conversation? An open conversation about how you're feeling? I know it can be hard, but extremely beneficial because you can eliminate that stress when you put a plan in place together to work through whatever issues that you have. To every problem, there's always a solution. So it's finding the solution. Be it prepping your meals at the weekend to take stress off yourself for cooking every day. Be it going out for a morning walk or a morning swim, getting into nature, getting fresh air, getting up that five minutes earlier to do some deep breathing, some gentle movement, anything that's going to center you. And then as well, looking at your sleep. If your sleep is off, you're not going to get into a restorative sleep, sleep cycle. So looking at what you can do there the likes of chamomile tea, valerian tea, CBD, no, CBD oil for men, not for women. Some studies suggest that CBD, yeah, CBD oil can inhibit ovulatory function. It, uh, I'm still looking into all the different studies on it, so I'm not going to recommend that for women right now. 
but using the likes of weighted blankets or the calm app things that are going to relax you epsom salt baths with lavender really beneficial for helping you wind down at night knocking off your phone an hour before you go to bed knocking off any screens an hour before you go to bed and reading that will tire you your eyes will get heavy but finding those things that are going to work best for you because something has to change if you're running around like a headless chicken all the time your body is saying yeah no thanks not the right time to get pregnant I'm not releasing an egg it's not happening and it's an evolutionary process all for wars, famines, plagues pandemics which we're in (laughs) when you're stressed the body says no it does not want to be fertilised So something does have to give there. And that brings me on to my next point, which is reducing inflammation. And the reason it brings me on to my next point is because stress can be one of the leading causes of inflammation within the body. Inflammation is caused by a number of things. Stress, environmental toxins, the foods that we're consuming, And then chronic stress can be down to the likes of autoimmune conditions. So reducing inflammation is really important. And the reason for that is because inflammation actually impacts the implantation process. So it can actually damage embryos and reduce the successful implantation rates. So there are ways to reduce inflammation and I know there's a lot of hype out there around inflammation. I think it's we've become desensitized to it because you're hearing about it so much. You're hearing the word inflammation so much and you kind of disassociate from it. But because there's so many factors that cause it, guaranteed you have an element of it. So really looking at the things that you can do. And there's loads that you can do. And again, through diet and nutrition, you can reduce your inflammation levels. Your key points are to reduce your inflammatory causing foods. So the likes of alcohol, caffeine, processed foods, sugar, anything that's packaged really. And then incorporating your anti-inflammatory foods. So for anyone who is trying to conceive, I would recommend an anti-inflammatory diet. If you're someone who has a lot of stress in your life, who's been trying for a while and nothing's happening. If you have any conditions like endometriosis or PCOS, I would really be looking at an anti-inflammatory diet. So what does that consist of? All the things I always harp on about. (laughs) Your main things really are looking at your omegas. Your antioxidants and your fermented foods. So your omegas. Oily fish. It's the easiest way of getting it into you. So oily fish, the omega-3 content in comparison to the omega-9 is much higher. 
uh, omega-9, or sorry, not omega-9, omega-6. And omega-6 is actually pro-inflammatory omega, whereas omega-3 and 9 are anti-inflammatory. So having good quality wild oily fish as often as you can, like three, four times a week, would be fantastic. Then as well, nuts, nuts and seeds. Certain nuts and seeds, like macadamia nuts and chia seeds, are really high in omega-9, which again is anti-inflammatory. Then your antioxidants. So you're getting your antioxidants from all your fruits and veggies. We need antioxidants because they're actually gonna repair any sort of free radical damage that has been done by inflammation. So all your orange colored veg, because of the beta carotene content, which again, extremely antioxidant, and all your greens and all your purples, purples and dark reds, these contain flavonoids, they contain oligomeric pyranthocyanidins, they contain a whole array of antioxidants, which are going to repair any cellular damage. Then your quercetin-rich foods, because quercetin is, again, a really strong antioxidant. So the likes of your apples, your berries, your onions, your brassicas. Then your vitamin A rich foods. These are the likes of your organ meats. Now I know not everyone's a fan, but you can make a really nice chicken liver pate out of organic chicken livers. Or if you go to your local farmer's market or butcher and try and get as free range chickens as you can possibly get. I would use a friendly farmer guys who are in the market in Galway. Well, you really need vitamin A to make sure that your thyroid function is at optimum levels because, again, with problems with fertility, there can be a lot of the times issues with the thyroid. Now, you may still be within the normal range, but you could be right on the cusp either of being low or over. So vitamin A, really important for your thyroid function. Then your aromatic spices, turmeric and ginger, add these to all your foods these are warming spices that are going to help to heal the gut they contain curcumin again massive anti-inflammatory massive antioxidant but they also help your digestive system they help you to absorb the nutrients from your food turmeric ginger and cardamom especially for your nutrient absorption and then your gut health foods so all your fermented foods your kimchi sauerkraut kombucha kefir now with kombucha i'd be going in at a low dose of kombucha because it is quite high in sugar even though it is fermented it's still very high in sugar and as we are aware sugar is very inflammatory but we need probiotic foods for the gut and for the immune system because the stronger your immune system the less the inflammation is going to be within the body if there's any sort of inflammation within the gut that tends to become systemic over time if it's not addressed so healing the gut is a really important thing to do so if you're someone who has bloating gas nausea floaters so floating stools anything like that we're looking at issues with your gut so you really will be looking at healing the gut lining and again your probiotics are going to do that your digestive enzymes are going to do that as well your slippery elm powder is going to do that so marshmallow root, licorice root, again, check with your healthcare provider before going out buying any of these supplements. Make sure that 
it's okay for you to take them because not everybody can take all herbs and all supplements. So do please check, but definitely look into your anti-inflammatory diet. Remove the inflammation from the system, nourish your nervous system, support your adrenal glands, and the body may start working in unison again. And then my last and final point is further investigations. If if you've been doing your ovulate your ovulatory sticks, your ovulation sticks, and you've consistently not ovulated over a three-month period, get in touch with your doctor. Start the investigation process now. Start it early. Doctors usually won't refer you to a specialist until you've been trying unsuccessfully for a year. They also won't refer you to a specialist after a miscarriage unless you've had three consecutive miscarriages. They have to give it time. But if you feel that there is something going on, go to your doctor and ask for a hormonal blood panel to be done. If there's something there, you can catch it early. If you have been referred to a specialist, make sure your partner is checked as well. Because 40% of the fertility cases are actually down to the male partner there being a problem there and the thing is is that women go through a lot of quite invasive tests and procedures before the man is even checked so i think it's extremely beneficial to make sure he's checked on all levels as well and it's down to many different reasons for men's low sperm count low mobility testicular torsion there's a lot of different factors and things that men don't even know are there. But it's much easier for them to be tested in fertility than it is for women. So just make sure that your partner is being checked as well before you go through any of the invasive procedures. And then if there is an issue on his side, then you can build a plan together going forward. So that's this week's episode. The five, no, what's my title? My five tips for helping with fertility. So tracking your cycle, ovulatory health, stress and worry, reducing inflammation, and then investigations after a year of trying. So I hope it's helped. For now, happy weekend and happy hormones.